As you'll see in your sermon notes this morning, there are really only two points, and and you can thank preschool graduation for that. I got up just a few days ago to celebrate with our four-year-olds, and I was sharing with their parents and grandparents. I have four things that I'd like to share with you all this morning, and a three-year-old sitting right over here exclaimed, no, just two. (laughs) So I heard the Lord's correction. We're only going to have two points this morning. Uh, We're finishing up our annual ABCs of Christianity. What are those basic things that we're to do or not do? But also we're rehearsing some doctrines. What, what, What are the basics of the faith, the things that we need to hold on to and believe and to challenge things that we're not to believe. And we're going to be in this book. I, I say Philemon, but filet sounds great. So I may be slipping back and forth uh, this morning. I've never preached from this book with you. I do a series from time to time with you called Things We May Have Missed, books that we tend to avoid as pe- preachers, but also as, as Christians and disciples, Titus, uh, uh, Revelation. So I've preached on some of those books that we tend to avoid, and I may have to come back to this book and preach through it at some point. But let's look here. What do we see? What is ABC stuff from Paul that we need to hear? Uh, it's going to be a word, of, a word of challenge, but I hope as well as we close this morning, it will be a, an affirming word that we'll realize. If, do you remember those, that book by Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life? There was a book he wrote before it. Now, Purpose Driven Life, this past week, Sarah and I were in Oxford as I officiated a wedding of one of our former students, and I was in a bookstore, and under fiction, it had Purpose Driven Life. I, I, that's not true. We matter. You matter to God. And that's one of the things that Rick Warren points out very well in his book before that called Purpose Driven Church. You matter to God. And you're going to see that wonderful affirmation here to Paul, from Paul to both of these men. So we don't want to miss that. But there's going to be a difficult word here first. So we've gotten down to the letter U in the ABCs. And the first word here, it's a hard word to hear, But the word is useless in verse 11. Useless. You find that word a good bit in Scripture. Paul says to the church in Corinth in chapter 15, preaching is useless if Christ is not raised. It may be eloquent. It may be very practical advice. But if Jesus is still in the tomb, why are you even preaching? You have nothing to preach. Um, You go to Titus 3.9. Paul says these issues about the law, these little arguments you're having, they're useless. And then in Hebrews 7.18, the author of that book tells us that the law cannot make us holy. It's useless to do that. It can show us sin. It can convict us of sin. It can show us the very character and heart of God. But to make us holy... The law is useless in doing that. Faith without deeds, faith without works. James 2.20, that's a useless faith. Ezekiel 5.4, Jerusalem is as useless as a vine that's been burned up. It's good for nothing. You find that word over and over. Now listen, there could be times in our lives where feelings get the best of us and we can feel useless when we're not and we've got to press through those feelings. Maybe you've been in a season where you've been in between jobs and you felt useless. Or maybe uh, 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 you've been giving 
care to somebody and now you're no longer a caregiver and you, you're feeling useless or you haven't, you're just not as happy with the talents God's given to you or the spiritual gifts that he's given to you. Uh, maybe kids are out of the house now and you're trying to adjust to a new season of life. Maybe it's retirement. I read a, an article just this weekend from somebody from the Washington Post that, Post that said this, people feel they matter when they are working. Their self-worth derives from their job. Editor Ben Bradley once said that without the Washington Post next to your name, you're just another guy on the street. Maybe you're in a season of feeling that. Scripture will push back on you. Paul will push back on you at every point there. Don't get lost through to your feelings. Press through that. If you're in the middle of God's will, if you're giving your gifts and resources and time to the Lord to be used of him, you've got to press through that. Many of us are kicking ourselves, and it could just be feelings. And listen, if you need a kicking this morning, Paul's going to give it to us. You read this letter, it's going to remind us not to be useless because we're Christ's. We matter to him, and we matter to his kingdom work. And so he's got a, a hard word here in verse 11. He doesn't pull any punches when he talks about Onesimus. He says, yes, at one point in his life, Philemon, you're right, this guy was useless. Not only useless, he probably stole. Because you hear Paul saying later in this letter, I'll pay you back. So the assumption here from Bible scholars is something had been stolen. Paul admits it. This guy is useless, unprofitable. It's almost like some of us, when we read Revelation 3.16, and it's a fine interpretation, would say, hey, you need to be on fire for God. Be hot for God. Don't be lukewarm, moderate, or it'll spit you out of his mouth. But probably the better interpretation of that is near Laodicea, there were places where you could find hot water for certain uh, needs, medical needs, or you could find cold water for certain needs. But if you're lukewarm, I, I've got nothing for you. I, I can't do anything with a life like that. Be useful. And so you see here Onesimus He's already counted himself out probably about a third of the Roman world was lost to slavery. It's a different kind of slavery than we're used to in the last several centuries. But he's apparently stolen from Paul. He definitely has a sense that he's less than. Um, Paul's right when he says to the church in Rome, every last one of us needs redemption because we're sinners. But I love that our God is a God of second chances. And he's not going to, once, once Onesimus has come to faith, he's saying to Philemon, this is now our brother. This is someone, as Ben said to us this morning, this is someone who's gotten right with Jesus and he matters to Jesus. He was useless, but he doesn't have to be that anymore. Maybe that's part of this word for us today, that you and I need to take inventory of our lives and, said, and say to ourselves, in my time, or in the spiritual gifting I have, or, or in the talents that I've been given, in my family, in my dating life, in my ministry at work, or my ministry in retirement, in terms of my church life, Lord, show to me by your spirit and by your word, where are those places that I've not been profitable Show that to me, and we can repent of that today. And as you see in, in Onesimus' life, there can be new life. There can be a life that matters. Where is that for you today? But this wonderful word then in verse 11. Yes, he was useless, 
but now he's useful. And you see that throughout the scriptures as well, that wonderful word. Ephesians 4.28, be useful with your work so you can share with those in need. If you and I flee from sin and live a life that's sanctified to the Lord, 2 Timothy 2.21 says we can be useful to our master. Or we can be useful to encourage the faith of others. 2 Timothy 4.11, you remember the struggle Paul had with Mark in the book of Acts. He took his ball and went home. He broke up the greatest team maybe in ministry in the entire New Testament, Paul and Barnabas. But what happens later? God is a God of second chances, a God of reconciliation, a God of redemption. This Mark, 2 Timothy 4, he's useful to me. It's a good word. Yes, Onesimus was useless at one point, but give me Mark now. Bless me with Onesimus, and he is useful. By the way, I love that name. We don't think it's his name. We think it's his nickname. I wish I had this name, Onesimus. I know I couldn't spell it, but I wish I had it. You know why? What does it mean? You already know what it means. It's his nickname. What does it mean? Useful. Hey, useful, get over here. Hey, useful, the Lord's got something for you. Hey, useful. If we are in Christ, we matter to him and we matter to his kingdom. Even nicknamed this one who was useless, now in Christ, there's all kinds of things that the Lord can do with this life. And it's a word that we're all to live in too. And Paul's begging Philemon to get that. This guy matters. He counts. Go down to verse 12. He's even, he's even in my very heart. Now, who talks like that? What kind of dude talks like that about another guy? This is Paul. This is rough and tough. Paul, who stood up against crowds, who took it, literally took it on the chin over and over again. Mr. Tough Guy, this guy's my very heart. And I want you to know he matters. He's part of the body now. He's useful. And look at him that way. Treat him th- that way. Everything has changed because of Jesus. I worry sometimes, church, that we don't have enough Christian self-esteem. Not a self-esteem in, in our own works. Jesus has to do that. But once we've come to Christ, not to count ourselves out, not to think that we're not useful to the kingdom. If we offer to him what we have, he can and will and desires and even commands to use it. You believe that? That you are useful to him? Now listen, there are conditions we see in this text. Reminders throughout this entire letter that are going to remind us of a life that can be best used by God. That is more profitable. One is, you see when he talks about both of them, in verse 8 and verse 14. Usefulness is connected to doing what is proper, verse 8. And we see that in Philemon's, his goodness. So there's a reminder, if you want to be useful to God, just like Paul said to Timothy in chapter 2, 21, you want to be useful to my master, to the master, sanctification. Being holy, that's, that's the way you and I put ourselves in a position to be used by God. 
as having lives that are pleasing to him, to have lives that are after his will, after the life he's called us to live. God can use a life like that. That's why Jesus in Luke 14, 35 says, I can't have salt lose its taste. It's got to remain salty. Your life has to be different. A life of holiness. So that's one reminder. And I love this other reminder that we see here is this reminder of our connection together. God tends to use lives more when they're connected to the body. You go down to verse 16. He says to, to, to Philemon, he is now your brother. And go back to verse 5. We didn't get to read that. But he talks about Philemon. You look, you're the kind of believer you say and you know that you love the saints. So it talks about the connection we have for each other. Matter of fact, if you go to 2 Peter 1, 7 through 8, I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture this morning. But it says, if we lack brotherly love or kindness... God can't use a life like that. That that's another qualification for how you and I can be used of God as our love for one another as brothers and sisters and our connection. A life of holiness, a life of connection. But then this last point, uh, and, I, and I know it's a check here. This culture, and, and again, as, as I said earlier, even we can, can, can view folks as useless. Ben even confessed to that this morning, to view people as different. I was doing a guy's retreat for one of my first youth groups, and we came down to Twin Lakes where Sarah and I met. We were counselors there, so I had used that camp a lot early on in student ministry. We piled all these guys up in a van, brought them down for a retreat, and uh, probably about 10 miles outside of Twin Lakes, there's this road that takes you a backwood road. Well, there was a, I mean, a, he looked bad. Messed up hair, terrible clothes. He looked dirty, but there was a guy on the side of the road thumbing to go on this back road to Twin Lakes. I'm sorry, parents, don't freak out. I picked the guy up. A church retreat, and I picked this guy up. And all these guys who always talked big and acted tough in my youth group, they didn't say a word when this guy got in the church van. I drove all the way to Twin Lakes. It's a back road of about eight miles or so. Once I got there, I said, hey, we're turning in here. I'm going to have to let you out. And he just kind of got out. And you could just see the air in the van. Everybody just relaxed a little bit. And then we went to the camp had the retreat, and our guest speaker came out later that afternoon, a good friend of mine. He came out to give the talk. Do you know who it was? It was a guy I picked up. He had planned that as he talked about how quick we are to judge one another and to count each other out, and he was able to talk about that van experience, about how not one kid said, how you doing, where you from, where you going, because he looked like trash. This Onesimus had everything counted against him in that world. He's somebody, and it was so many of them, lost to slavery. It was somebody that had a past. We give somebody with a past a second chance. There's so many things that could have counted him out. But Paul stood in the gap and said this word to Philemon, you can't count him out. If we're believers, we believe in redemption. We believe in reconciliation. We believe in second chances. Don't count him out. How do you need to hear that today? 
Doesn't mean we have to be a doormat. Don't miss that. Doesn't mean we, please, we don't suffer abuse. But how is it we can be a people of second chances because our God is a God of second chances? And I love this, and I've read this to you once before, but John Chrysostom, an Eastern church father, was so important to our forefather, John Wesley, that scholars are now just picking out things that our forefather stole from John Chrysostom as he's really just saying, let me tell you what the church has always said. But I love this word from John Chrysostom. He said, love does not regard uncomeliness. Now this is going back to verse 9. It's all on love. If we love God well, we'll love others well, have a, a right view of others. Love does not regard uncomeliness. On this account, it is indeed called love because it oftentimes has affection for an uncomely person. Thus also did Christ. He saw one who was uncomely and he loved her and makes her young. I love that Paul sees the value and worth in Onesimus. Yes, he was a sinner. Yes, he has a past and he needs to repent of that and come to Christ. But once he does, he's one of us. How is it you and I can be known as people who give second chances just like our Lord does? What's your next step today? Maybe again, it's just taking inventory. Lord, as I look through my life, where are those places where I have not mattered for the kingdom, and I know you've given me that gift, you've given me that relationship, you've given me that sphere of influence, you've given me that work, you've given me that time, they're for you, they're under your lordship, and I just have, I've just pulled it back. Help me to repent of my uselessness and to gift that and to give that back to you. Where is that today? Or maybe... You need to press through feelings of uselessness because of your past and believe that you can be useful to God. This past Tuesday night at Celebrate Recovery, y'all keep inviting to that. Uh, for, for all of us, let me say that again, all of us have some kind of hurt or habit or hang-up. It's not just about chemical dependency. Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered a program that deals with codependency, family issues, uh, uh, gambling, uh, sexual addictions, all kinds of things. Uh, many, many people from our church have been blessed to just go through it for things you wouldn't think CR is for, but it's a great, great place of healing. And uh, we'd love for you to volunteer for that. You can talk to Roger Wasson or Steve Potter, but also continue to invite to that. It's on Tuesday nights, 5.30 to 8 o'clock in our uh, education building. But this past Tuesday night, we had a classmate of mine come and give a testimony at Celebrate Recovery. And as, and as I heard his testimony, and I, I knew some of it because I knew him back in the day, um, Some of his family members didn't do him any favors when they gave him alcohol before he was a teenager, especially knowing the family's history with alcohol. And so he had a life lost to that for three and a half, almost four decades, uh, about three and a half decades. Um, he would tell you that's on him. He would tell you that uh, he had chances and treatment uh, to, to turn from that and to get help from that, but he continued 
to not only use alcohol, but used all kinds of, of people. Um, there, there are times and we've had a life of any kind of struggle. Anytime, as Paul talks about in Romans, when we've been controlled by something for a long season uh, where we might think there's no way God could use. Here he was, somebody who not only had, had been trapped by and had not gotten help for this particular area for decades, but he had used a whole lot of people, and he named that. Uh, he had been to prison a couple of times, and he talked about that. Um, he could have let what he had taken from and done to his parents cripple him, paralyze him. The shame and weight of that hold him down. Um, but he's useful to the master now. He was useful Tuesday night, I can tell you that. And I've talked with him this week and said, hey, can I share part of your story with our church? There's so many feelings he could have had to, to say you will never be useful. You know the devil, the accuser of the brethren, has, has accused him over again and again in his ear. Remember what you did to her. Remember what you did to him. Remember what you did to your parents. You are nothing and you never will matter. What Paul says here to Philemon, this Onesimus, he was trapped in sin. He did things he should not have done. He's come to Christ, and he's useful to me now. Will you and I receive that from the Lord today? Whatever feelings we have, press through them and say, Lord, what do you have for me? How is it you and I need to look at our lives too to make sure we're putting ourselves in the right position to be used of God as we grow in our sanctification and holiness? How is it we need to connect better with one another? Maybe it's ministries in the church. You heard uh, Linda mentioned, we're all called the ministry in her prayer. Maybe it's VBS. Maybe it's Delta Grace. Maybe it's giving to the rummage sale that's coming up for the Moody's. Whatever it may be. Student ministry. Kids ministry. Uh, we all are useful. How is it you and I need to hear this word and to respond to this word? Our closing hymn is a prayer. It's spirit of the living God fall afresh on me. 393, as we get to that chorus, let's sing through it two times. 